Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Gimme the Creeps. Hello, everybody. We are here another week, and it's another week closer to Halloween. Halloween. As we wind down and gear up for fall, we look forward to movies that we rewatch for the spooky season. And uh, in the title, you are going to notice that I abbreviated the category that I'm throwing this episode into. But I'm, and Daniela has no idea, so I'm about to reveal that today I'm going to cover a case having to do with a movie. So that means from film reels to real kills. <laughs> another one. Oh, another one. <laughs> So another one of those, and um, uh, it's just how my brain decided to go about finding true crime and paranormal cases, and I apologize if it's annoying to anybody, but I didn't get any complaints after the last one, so I'm just going to keep these coming every now and then. I selected a very special film for my second ever Film Reels to Real Kills series. Um, As most of you know, I covered crimes relating to the writing of Kevin Williamson's and Wes Craven's Scream movies um, in my first set for this category, and this time I chose to cover material related to and that inspired Diablo Cody's writing of the beloved film Jennifer's Body. Yes! (laughs) Just the reaction I wanted to hear. I love that movie. For those of you new to the show, this movie is near and dear to our hearts because Daniela invited me over to watch this movie for the first time that we hung out. Mm-hmm. And right then I knew that our bad bitch energy aligned and that our periods <laughs> were going to align right after that, and they sure did. <laughs> and so uh, we have since seen other films together, but that was the first, and it seems to be a favorite of many people, especially spooky girlies. So that's why I chose it today. Say what you will about Miss Megan, uh, Megan Fox, but personally I feel that she is a gift and she was part of the spark that lit my bisexual candle as a child. Oh, did you hear she's a demon? (laughs) Oh, like in real life? Apparently, that's what TikTok says. I said that was sarcasm, if you could not. Oh, okay. No, I, but, but that's like, I mean, that that seems like something they would say about her. It's just because the whole drinking the blood thing, but I mean. I oh, know. she's just dramatic. Man, people are <laughs> I don't know. dramatic. I don't know either. I don't know, but that's just what either. I said, and I was like, no. <laughs> that's the buzz lately around Megan. Uh, well, now that Kim and Pete are no more, we're still rooting for uh, I guess Line Cook Summer is going to be over here soon anyway. We're all back to school, right? <laughs> it's only a matter of time. <clears throat> no, I'm just kidding. But um, Pete is is out of the picture now, so I don't know. I'm still – I still have my fingers crossed that Megan will uh, open her eyes and come to her senses, but we will see what happens with that. Um, whether she is a real-life demon or not, I couldn't answer. She seems very, like, spiritual and – I don't know. I know people yeah. think she's cringy, but I, I still feel like she's pretty smart. So she, it doesn't bother me. Whatever they say about her it does not bother me because she is still Megan Fox. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> so uh, I guess I kind of was part of the problem with giving in to the way that studios made Megan Fox out to be used for like the male gaze and all that. So I do take ac- accountability. But mm-hmm. man, her on the back of that bike – the freaking Transformers 2. Y'all know the scene. Don't deny uh, it. You know yes. what I'm talking about. 
that motorcycle scene. Anywho, uh, Transformers was like a big thing for me growing up because of, of that. <clears throat> Anyways, then I just watched Till Death and it wasn't that bad. So, I mean, hey, whatever. I guess her acting is not bad and she is a talented actress in my opinion because shout out to her as Michaela in Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. Oh, yeah. I forgot she was in that movie. The original Mean Girl. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, one more time for the shot of her on the motorcycle in Transformers 2. Anyways, so over the years, there has been an evolution in the way that film is analyzed and um, by audiences. And I wanted to say that, thank goodness, because I love Jennifer's body and those who get it, get it. Those who don't, don't. And I won't go into that here. But uh, there was some controversy on several fronts from the studio wanting Megan Fox to promote the film online by live chatting on amateur adult entertainment sites. And the marketing altogether was messy because their focus group consisted of screen testing audiences of young men while the writing was geared towards women. So they just like wanted more boobs and stuff was their main uh comments on their comment cards. Mm -hmm. The movie title caused a bit of a stir on Twitter as Courtney Love took to discussing her disappointments in Diablo Cody's lack of mentioning her in the interviews. Not sure what the payment for using the title in one of Hull's songs uh, was, but for Love, apparently, she just wanted some mentions at the very least. So with that, here we go with part one of Jennifer's Body. Let's discuss the name. The song Jennifer's Body by Hole was released on the band's 1994 album Live Through This. Courtney Love and Patti Chamel, the drummer, thought of the song concept in 1992 and Love and guitarist Eric Erlinson wrote it. The song mentions the abduction and abuse of a woman with pieces of her body being found. The lyrics, to better you, to better me, my bitter half has bitten me, and... He Keeps You in a Box by the Bed, seem to refer to the 1977 kidnapping of Colleen Stan, who actually survived her nightmare ordeal. Jeez. So that is what we will be covering today. Fantastic. Colleen Stan was born on December 31st, 1956 in Eugene, Oregon. Known as the girl in the box, Colleen Stan was 20 years old on her way to her friend's house for a birthday party. Um, and it's a great year. I mean, 1977, uh, Best of My Love, like, come on, you've got the best of my, come on, that's a good song. Dancing Queen, Rod Stewart, uh, the music is just magic. Saturday Night Fever premieres, launching John Travolta into the spotlight. And rest in peace, Miss Olivia Newton-John. She uh, has just passed away, so I had to give her a shout out. She yeah. was later in Greece with John Travolta, so that furthered his career even more and hers as well. Uh, so disco is thriving, but Fleetwood Mac's Rumors was just released in the previous month, and it goes oh, on yeah. to be number one on the charts for 31 weeks. And number one forever in my heart. Right? Oh, man. So, uh, ugh. and then in other news, Howard Stern has just begun his radio career. Muhammad Ali has beat Alfredo Evangelist in the 15th for the heavyweight boxing title, and Apple has released the Apple II computer, and the list goes on. So a lot of big things happening in 1977. So uh, as Dreams plays on the radio, let's imagine this young, full-of-life girl 
Colleen, still living in Eugene, Oregon, and trying to get to California, uh, a common way to travel long distance at this time was hitchhiking. She hitches a ride, making it to Red Bluff, California, and waited for someone else to stop. She was careful on deciding when to get in the car, and somehow she knew the dangers were real for this kind of thing even back then. She didn't get into a car on two occasions and wave them away before a blue van pulls over. Looking inside, she sees a couple and a baby in the back. Or rather, I think she sees uh, the couple and the wife in the passenger seat is holding the baby, so she feels like it's a safe ride. This seemed safe, and she got in. After stopping at a service station to go to the bathroom, she returned to see that there was now a big wooden box uh, next to her seat. And after around 20 miles, the driver turned down a side road, pulls out a knife, and Colleen was tied and gagged. The wooden box was placed over her head. She couldn't hear or see, and it was hot and scary inside the box. So it's a head box, I'm pretty sure. So I think it's one that just kind of sits on her shoulders, and it just kind of like keeps her from being able to see in here. But it's not like an actual full-size body uh, box. That's terrifying. So he, he places that box on her head. She's gagged. She can barely breathe. And they're driving and they're driving. Uh, the seemingly nice couple was actually Cameron Hooker, who became obsessed with a French novel called The Story of O, which is like um, Fifty Shades of Grey, pretty much. It's like a French version. And I fell down a rabbit hole, like trying to read about it. And then I was like, I can't do this. So <laughs> y'all will have to Google that. But um, y'all are along for the ride as we... As we uh, discuss this guy, he's pretty messed up. He got obsessed with that book. And um, basically, Cameron Hooker is 23 at this point. His wife, Janice, is 19. And they already have an eight-month-old baby daughter. And they decide to kidnap Colleen. Basically, somehow, Cameron convinced his wife, Janice, that he needed a sex slave. And she was afraid that he would leave her, so she agrees to help him. She had been abused by him, trying to fulfill his depraved fantasies herself, but she agreed to pass the torch. Apparently, she wanted a baby with this guy. I have no idea why. So the only uh, they agreed to uh, have a baby if she agreed that he could have a sex slave. What the fuck? Yeah, seriously. Like, how would that? Anyways, Ugh, Janice, Janice, Janice. So they have a baby, and now they have kidnapped Colleen. Uh, she had agreed to it, and he wasn't allowed to have sex with her, so we got we to gotta list that out right now. It was not allowed, but you'll see how the rules conveniently change for one person here soon. Um, Colleen doesn't know where she is or what's going to happen. They get to the home in Red Bluffs, and Colleen is taken to the basement, and she was chained and put inside a crate. So she's having to like sit up straight in this crate. And there are varying degrees documented of Janice's involvement. I want to give her the benefit of the doubt because this man definitely got into her head and abused her. Regardless, Janice allowed this because it was someone other than herself. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm going with here. The box that had been on her head was 20 pounds, by the way. I forgot to mention what that. What the fuck? Uh, and it gets used often, so that's not the end of that. Colleen was broken down each day while Cameron whipped, beat, burned, and electrocuted her as she hung by her wrists. Janice wouldn't torture her, but the couple would have sex in front of her after Cameron was done with her. 
I'm not sure. I guess they were like forcing her to watch, but uh, they would have intercourse after he was done torturing her. And he had told her he was part of a secret society called The Company, a powerful organization that would not hesitate to kill her if she attempted to get away. He made a contract and believing her family would be in danger, she signed it in 1978 and agreed to submit. What the fuck? I know, dude. What Would you sign it? Like, I mean... What no, is he going to do? Well, being in her situation, like now knowing all the shit that I know and listening to like true crime for a majority of my life, I would mm. absolutely not. <laughs> but right. But I mean, does I, it even have any weight, you know? Yeah. Like back then, if I didn't know any better, I mean, I would I would be scared true. and think it were real. True. He told her he was part of – this all sounds to me like hostile, like how they are part of that weird secret society. Yes. Weird. Anyways, I mean, I guess I, I might believe him, but also like I definitely would sign it because even if you did sign it, it wouldn't mean anything. It's still – I mean, right? Or am I thinking of – okay, like for instance, that haunted house where that guy was taking it too far with people, they signed something. But did did he get in trouble? Like I don't remember. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? Because <laughs> that happened recently, and I was like, they also signed something. But is it like a valid document? I mean, I have no idea. But he made this whole thing, and he, I guess, to sell the lie, told her to sign the paper. So I guess that's the main reason why he made this document was to feel legit. So she agreed to become his sex slave, and she was now only called K, the letter K addressing her captors as only master or ma'am. Hooker developed several forms of mental torture besides the 20-pound head box that deprived her of her senses. He also had a stretcher that would, I guess, stretch her shoulder blades out by her arms, and uh, it left her with permanent shoulder damage as well as uh, back damage. What the fuck? Yeah, he built, he would, um, they call him in in the, uh, in, in the research I did, they call him like a skilled carpenter, but whatever. He's a piece of shit. He just would build all these torture devices and use them on her. So that was one of the things he would do was put the box on her head and then something else would be stretch her on this uh, thing that he built. And 23 hours a day, Colleen was in a box under the couple's bed until she started being trusted enough to like watch their kids or help around the house and like roam around. And after almost three years missing, she was allowed to call her family. And then after four years, he took her to see her family. What the fuck? Uh, how? Dude, he broke her down so bad. Like she she signed the paper and was just like, okay, they're going to hurt my family. And so he believed that she wouldn't try anything and she wouldn't say anything. So he was like, okay, let's go visit your family so that nobody – you know, keeps looking into this, which I don't even, I, I didn't read if they were actively looking into, like, what areas did they look into? Did they search? Did they ask? Did anyone see her get picked up uh, by these people? And it's the 70s, so I doubt it, but I guess maybe he just wanted her to have some peace of mind, so he took her to see her family. Wow. Ugh, yeah. So in March of 1981, with the threat of the company hanging over her um, and Cameron joining her, she got to go home for a visit. She acted as normal as possible to try and not alert them to any trouble. He posed as her boyfriend um, or fiance and even had photos taken with her there. And her poor family. I am so like disgusted, right? 
This I'm, reminds me of abducted in plain sight. Like, dude, like, for real. Like, what? so shook right now like how the fuck I know. does I that know. happen damn it, i mean i feel like people would like hire someone to like kidnap you back if they believed you were taken you know what i mean i don't know because they were weirded out the family was like obviously this is a weird situation we have no clue who this guy is uh, and as good as she was probably like her, her acting skills were, I'm sure that they could tell like, this is not right. So right. he posed and so did she, and they acted, you know, normal or whatever. But the real reasoning that they didn't want to pry was they feared that they would lose contact again if they questioned her. And they might've thought that she joined a cult with how convincing her brainwashing was, uh, so little did they know what she was actually going through, but they believed she was in a cult so they kind of held back and they were like, okay, we're going to let her come to us. We're not going to push it or be like, come home or what the hell? Who are you? Like, mm-hmm. never heard of you. Ugh, I don't know if I could do that. But they did. And so she got to visit and then she went right back to living at the hookers uh, place. They had moved from their home. They had an actual home in Red Bluff, California to a mobile home. Uh, but I'm not sure like what t- at what point they did that because – he had her digging a hole in the basement of that home because uh, I don't think mobile homes have basements. I'm not sure, though. So no, they were, they're not. Okay, good. Thank you. It was unclear in the in the research I was doing like when this happened, but he had her working down there also. So like she was going to help build a sex dungeon for other women to be taken down there. Oh uh, so God. she's pretty much like fully like involved uh, with – what's going on now because of how badly he's uh, broken her down mentally. So she goes back with Cameron Hooker. And I read on Wikipedia that she had freedoms revoked after getting to go home. Not sure if he stopped trusting her or if he wanted to scare her back into submission. Like maybe he thought she he gave her too much freedom or like, oh, I shouldn't have let her go see her family. Let me make sure like she knows I'm still you know, her captor and she has to listen to me. So Mm -hmm. he kind of revoked some of her uh, freedoms in the household and she was back to being under the bed in the box for 23 hours a day using a bedpan for her business. Fuck. Oh my God. So is Mm -hmm. she, she's laying down flat in the house. I will post pictures. It's pretty much like a box that has like a framework around it so that her body is not touching the edges of the out, like the exterior of the box part. Mm -hmm. And it's very tight. It's like a coffin and it's like right against her face. Like she can't move at all. There's holes. Oh my God. Oh no. Yeah. She can only move her, her hands underneath her. And so she would use her feet to position the bedpan underneath her. Oh my God. Yeah, like she would That's have to bend her legs to like some claustrophobic shit under right there. The bed. Like I Yes. I'm getting yes. anxiety just thinking about it. Me too. Yeah. So she would only be taken out at night uh by Cameron for feeding and for torture or for working in the basement. Um she was then put to work in the basement and he was planning to get more women for a new dungeon that he was building with Colleen for months. She was working naked when she did that. Like she'd have to dig down there fully naked, even in the winter. And it was freezing. So she was freezing. And um, that box that I was mentioning under the bed, the holes did not prevent the temperatures from reaching over 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, my God. How did she not die? I don't know. 
she says that she was very religious or she still is, you know, so she would just constantly pray. And um, whenever she would ask God, like, what should I do? Should I fight back? Should I run? She says that the Holy Spirit would tell her, listen and comply and uh, you'll be okay. So she felt like she couldn't try anything because this guy was like crazy. Uh, So he would have just killed her, she felt. So she just kind of followed her gut instinct and kept her faith close, and that's how she got through it. But by 1983, Colleen had been out and about around the family living as a nanny who met the neighbors, and the kids loved her. Like, they think she goes home at night. Like, they think she has her own house. But she is still sleeping in that coffin-sized box under the bed, under the waterbed. And Cameron trusts her to the point that she is now allowed to have a part-time job, so she cleans at a nearby hotel. What? So she has all these opportunities to, like, slip the neighbors a note or, like, tell the kids, like, hey, I am under the bed. Like, go look for yourself. She doesn't. She just keeps, like, this is normal. Like, everything's fine. And then she gets a job at the hotel, and she doesn't say anything to them there. So... She's just trusted to come and go and continue doing um, her sex slave job with Cameron. Um, At some point along the way, not only did her circumstances change um, as they gained her trust, but at some point Cameron was raping Colleen. Not sure when or how Janice found out. Uh, He did it at least once a month. I guess he was still trying to really hide it from his wife that he was breaking the rules. And Janice began resenting Colleen. Cameron confided in Janice that he wanted to marry Colleen and maybe even have a baby with her. Why would he say that? Right. So, and I don't know where his logic lies either because this this seems like he's trying to take in a second wife that he just wants to like abuse and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, ugh, I don't know. Because it's, it's almost like a cult thing, but it's more of like a kidnapper, psychopath, like killer type thing. I don't know. Right. But uh, people have commented on this case before that a lot of the stuff that he was doing is like military grade, like torture, like the way he was treating her and stuff. So Mm -hmm. she's enduring all this and Janice sees all this and doesn't get upset. She doesn't get her panties in a bunch until Colleen might be treated with some respect as a wife. (laughs) Anyways, she's not mad up until then. So he advised her to leave whenever – she went to her minister, not sure how long she was talking to this minister or if this was a one-time thing where she just decided to go into church one day. But Janice goes to her priest and confesses that, I don't know if there were two occasions that she made two separate confessions or if she just said it all in one go, but this priest ends up hearing it all, like what her husband's done to this woman, how he has her captive, how he wants to make her his second wife. So the priest is probably like, "Uh, this is not a typical day for me at work, but he advised her to leave. And in August of 1984, Janice told Colleen that Cameron was not a member of the company and helped her escape, um, asking her not to go to the authorities. Some places say that she admitted the company wasn't real, but others make it a point to mention that Janice said specifically that he wasn't a member, but that it is a real thing, the company. Yeah. So maybe that's why, that's also why Colleen didn't immediately go to the police because she doesn't immediately go to the police. So I'm thinking either she thought the company was still real and although what's his name wasn't in it, who knows if they know about her, you know? Right. Yeah. So 
Colleen made it to a bus station where she called Cameron to tell him that she was leaving him. Why would she call? Because that's, I don't know. She, I guess it's like a Stockholm syndrome type of thing or, uh, or she just really didn't want to freak him out or I don't know, but she calls him and he cries on the phone and is like probably begging her not to go. But then she calls her family and they wire her some money. So she gets to go home. Not sure what the hell she told them because that's something else that I would be worried about. Like, okay, do I, if I say one thing that it's going to lead to all of it coming out, you know? So mm-hmm. Anyway, so not sure what she tells her family, but she's home safe now. And she was so compliant at this point that she didn't report the years of torment that uh, that she went through to the authorities until Janice finally did that November. So a few months go by, Janice had asked uh, Colleen to give Cameron some time to reform. Mm-hmm. So Janice believed that Cameron could be, you know, maybe taken into the church and change his ways a little bit and they can go back to being a normal husband and wife, which was mm. never the, never, never the truth. But right. she, uh, cause she had been getting abused too. And I, and I'm curious as to like how this all even started. Cause she was only 19 and she already had an eight month old baby and he was 23. So like, what the fuck happened? So anyways, sorry, Janice, I'm, I'm giving you a bunch of hate, but you were only a child as well. So, okay. So, Janice hadn't told the police anything till November and neither did Colleen. And so uh, Colleen is actually still keeping in contact with Cameron Hooker at this point, like calling him regularly. And um, I guess she'd hoped that Janice was right in giving him a chance to reform. Maybe she was checking in, see how he's doing. What is he doing? What is he up to? But she would call him regularly and Everything was fine. It wasn't working. So in November, Janice informed the Red Bluff police that her husband had kidnapped, tortured, and murdered Marie Elizabeth Spanky. And was that? that was someone else. Exactly, girl. Listen to this. So this Marie went missing in a, a year before Colleen was kidnapped. And Marie disappeared on January 31st, 1976. And no body had ever been found. And Hooker was never charged with her murder. And I'm unsure if Janice mentioned Colleen at all whatsoever during this or if the investigation into Marie's uh, murder just happened to lead them to her case. Um, Because I'm sure they searched the house and all that and they Mm -hmm. found like all kinds of devices and things. So indirectly, Colleen, her story gets put out there and then that's when she's called in and she has to testify and all this. He was charged with eight felony counts of rape, sodomy, kidnapping, and forced oral copulation. In exchange for immunity, Janice agreed to testify against her husband and the abuse that he inflicted on her. Oh, And Colleen also testified at the trial, recounting years of sustained trauma. The defense tried to use Colleen's compliance against her, stating that the rapes should not be considered criminal as Hooker said she chose to stay. They had a psychiatrist argue that the abuse inflicted by Hooker was not much different than Marine recruits drills. Okay. The judge interrupted the psychiatrist's argument. Colleen Stan was not a willing participant, despite what the defense intended the jury to believe. I'm glad that the judge had had good sense to put an end to that because Jesus Christ. They tried to say that compliance meant she was in love with him, but luckily the jury didn't buy it. He was found guilty of seven out of eight counts for the kidnapping and rape of Colleen Stan. Who is that one count for not guilty? I just want to talk. 
well, yeah, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> <laughs> He's innocent. Okay, anyways. Uh, so the judge rightfully, rightfully pronounced that Hooker was the worst psychopath he had ever dealt with and sentenced him to 104 years. Hooker applied for parole under California's elderly parole program, but was denied in 2015. And at this hearing, Colleen said that she wasn't convinced he wouldn't be able to do it again. Due to COVID, he might have been released early, um, but I have an update from June of this year. Um, he died. He did not. I wish he did. So as of June 2022 from actionnewsnow.com, San Mateo County, California, the Cameron Hooker case is heading to trial to determine if he should be labeled as a sexually violent predator, according to the San Mateo District Attorney's Office. The probable cause hearing finished on Monday after it was spread out over two weeks. The judge determined there was a probable cause and continued the case forward to trial. Hooker will be back in court on September 14th for setting of a jury trial. He will be moved to the Coalinga State Hospital where he will receive treatment while waiting for the next trial date. If Hooker is guilty, he would remain in jail and receive mental health treatment. If he is found not guilty, he will be released on parole under certain conditions. Um, Yep. Hooker is the Tehama uh, County man convicted in the infamous Girl in the Box case for kidnapping a woman in 1977 and holding her as a sex slave in his home for seven years. He is scheduled to be released from prison unless he is convicted in this case. That's crazy. But um, back to my notes now. Uh, Colleen Stan has a new identity but suffers from chronic back and shoulder pain and underwent therapy for years. She had several failed marriages and some trouble having a normal life, but she studied for an accounting degree and has a family now and remains resilient, helping others. She worked with a charity for abused women, the Reading Women's Refuge Center, and in the years since she was freed on August 10th, 1984 from Cameron Hooker, Colleen and her family celebrate the anniversary on the beach. She wrote a book in 2009 titled The Simple Gifts of Life. Janice has since taken her maiden name, Lashley, and became a registered associate social worker and has worked as a mental health professional. Last year, an Oxygen Network special aired on July 17th, 2021, titled Notorious Girl in the Box. Girl in the Box. Um, it's season 99, episode 7, in case anyone wants to watch as Colleen Stan details her experience. In the interview for that special, Stan says, I thoroughly enjoy my freedom. Always, always, always. Life today is good. You have to learn how to live in the now and not let the past drag you back. Very inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, a few quick mentions. Her story has been shown in Girl in the Box on Lifetime in 2016 and in a documentary titled Colleen Stan, Girl in the Box, Criminal Minds, Ghost Whisperer, Law and Order SVU um, have all covered cases inspired by her case and one of the most disturbing documentary style films called the Poughkeepsie tapes um, also took inspiration from that case. Oh my God. That movie is fucking gnarly. It's gross. It's It's, so disturbing. It is. I like it, but yeah, geez. And now that I know that this, like it kind of makes me feel differently a little bit about watching that movie and being Mm -hmm. like sick. But anyway, I didn't know that before. So the Poughkeepsie tapes, if anybody watches that uh, horror film, it's kind of like a found footage style horror movie, but uh, the torture scenes in that are pretty disturbing. So just Mm -hmm. trigger warning on that. 
So that concludes the girl in the box for this part. Um, I didn't want to keep going because obviously that isn't, that is not the case that inspired the actual film, Jennifer's Body, but in researching the film itself and learning the title and everything, I figured that it would be only right to cover her case as it was the inspiration behind the song, which in turn inspired the title of the film. So I will end it there with with that one for part one, just so there aren't any, there isn't any confusion when I actually do cover the, I don't want to say what the case is and some people might already know what it is. I don't Did know you know that is. Jennifer's body is is based on an actual thing? I my fucking memory is shitty, so I might have known. Okay, the cool. Shit's then, bit. then it'll be news to you next time. Yeah. I used um, crimeandinvestigation.co.uk, and it's an article called Calling Stan the Girl in the Box, and then I used ranker.com um, for facts about that case. Cool. Yeah, so that was part one of my film Reels to Real Kills for Jennifer's Body. And next time we are going to cover the case that inspired the actual script and plot of the film. But for now, uh, what was I going to say? I was going to say something. I was going to talk about Courtney Love a little bit since we had time. Okay. Because I feel like even myself growing up, I kind of like didn't like her because of all like the connotations mm-hmm. having to do with Kurt Cobain. And that case has been covered so many times. That's why we haven't covered it on ours, just so you yeah. know, guys. Um, but there was, you know, some controversy about who killed him or if he unalived himself. Um, so I feel like Courtney Love has always just had kind of some hate and controversy around her. But then I'm seeing how often her stuff gets exploited and like who wouldn't be mad over that yeah i mean i don't know um because i while i was reading about how she was upset she was literally on twitter talking to fans about how jennifer's body like why aren't they giving me more credit like that's my song and then uh even though that actual song jennifer's body does not play during the film at the end during the revenge credits sequence violet which is another song off the same album is played and i'm not sure if it was a joke or not but courtney love mentioned something about 10 cents like as if like it costed only 10 cents for them Them to use her stuff Mm -hmm. but i couldn't find anywhere like what actually was the deal because she's like complaining but um then i saw that olivia rodrigo which is a big pop star these days also kind of stole the cover art on the album, lived through this, and uh, even acknowledged that it was like similar to the to the album art, and she didn't even say anything. And Courtney Love was just like, this is my favorite florist, and I'd like a note. Like, she straight up said that. <laughs> like, send me a, send me a, I'm sorry I used your, anyways. I just thought it was interesting. Um, and then that got me thinking about how women – in media or like in any industry are like there people are harsh towards them whenever they're in a relationship with someone on drugs. And it reminded me of Ariana Grande and um, Mac Miller. Oh yeah. 
and how everyone like jumped on her like like she was supposed to fix him or something. Yeah, that is fucking shitty. I remember that. Dude, and I was like, man, that Courtney got like she got it ten times worse than that. And even the Ariana Grande situation upset me, which I was glad that she stood up for herself and she said, like, it's not a woman's job, you know, to stick around just because they need help. Like you do whatever you can because you love them, but it's not your responsibility, you know, and that can stretch as far as mental health even. Like as much as you want your partner to be there for you and support you, it's not their responsibility either. You know, like it's hard. Um, I mean, I, I, I've told Hunter that myself too. Like I, I tell him, you know, when I'm going through something and I don't expect him to do anything about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's how, like, people need to be because it's just not cool. Right. So. You are your own person. You can fucking. Right. I mean, yeah, it's, not like, it's good don't to have like somebody fault. that's there, like, for moral support, but they don't need exactly. to be the ones doing the work you do. There you go. And that's just like a, and it's not, you know, it's not to be hurtful or, you know, say like grow up or, you know, put your big girl pants on, nothing like that. It's just, you know, people are people and why are we shifting blame, you know? Mm-hmm. But anyway, so that's what I just wanted to kind of touch on with the the Courtney Love situation. I don't know um, if anybody's still upset at her or if she has like genuine fans anymore, but that album is a good album and I've been listening to it all week. So Go check it out because they deserve some love after the lack of it that uh, <laughs> apparently happened while all this was happening. So, and yeah, that is an awesome scene. The end scene of Jennifer's body. Yep. I do agree. When you, think, you think the movie's over and then it just gets even better. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't spoil it. I, I can't believe I'm even saying this, but if somebody hasn't seen it by now, please watch Jennifer's body before part two so that it'll definitely line up with the topic that I'll be discussing, which is going to be very brutal. There's um, there's going to be trigger warnings for this episode and definitely trigger warnings for the next episode as well. So keep that in mind. And with that being said, I mean, you guys know where to find us. Find us on Instagram. Find us on Twitter at Gimme the Creeps, G-I-M-M-E, the Creeps. Don't forget we have a TikTok. Don't forget we got a link tree on the Instagram for some helpful resources should anyone need need, need them, you know. Um that coffee didn't do a damn thing, and now I'm just jittery. So <laughs> that's me. And then, of course, I went in public today, and I didn't go in public the rest of the week. And today, I forgot deodorant, so I'm about to go take a shower. Of course, I was sweating. I was, um, you know, I my gears were a little grinded because I was trying to talk to the cashier at Whole Foods, and the lady that was behind me was actually standing next to me with her stuff already on the conveyor belt while I was trying to pay. And that's rude, guys. Wait till they're done. Because some people like me are nervous and we can't do two things at once. And so I got <laughs> frazzled and then my card didn't work. And I was like, what the fuck? But it was because I pulled it out too soon or something. Oh my God. I bet it was even worse. I just can't stand when people are too close to me. Like I should have coughed on her or something. She <laughs> 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 uh, didn't smell my onion smell at that point, but All right, guys, uh, you know what to do. Give us a review over on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you listen to us on and share with your family and friends. We're gearing up for spooky season, so plenty of good content coming your way. Thank you guys again for listening. So did we give you the creeps?